When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I, am, of course, am Don LaGreca, and every Monday we're joined by the great EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. You can watch his show, NHL Now, between the hours of 4 and 6 Eastern, depending on where you are in the United States and elsewhere. How are you, sir? I am good. I am good after a crazy... Five game, five wow. game sevens over the weekend. I mean, if you're a hockey fan, you are in uh, you were in heaven over the weekend to see five game sevens kind of strung out nicely, so you could watch all of them and uh, two of them in overtime, and just awesome. So it was a great weekend. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, obviously, and there's so many different places to start, but I guess let's start uh, with the Rangers and their come from behind, three down, three one down to the Penguins' victory in which they won three straight, and there's a bunch of different places to start here, but I guess let's start with the negative. Was it a mistake by Mike Sullivan, who I love and I think is one of the great coaches in the National Hockey League, putting Tristan Jari in to a Game 7, having not played for over a month? No, not for me. Uh, Louis Domingue had his run. Um, The goal they gave up at the end of the game... uh, Game number six, I thought, was uh, you know indicative of, of where Louis is in his career. I mean, there's a reason why he has been uh, a kind of journeyman goalie in this league. And you had your starter that was healthy enough to play. And I know it's a very tough spot. But, you know, um, when I look at it, I mean, the Kreider goal, rocket over the shoulder. I mean, those are the goals that get scored now, right? Guys going to the butterfly, healthy or unhealthy. That's how they play. And uh, so that was one over the shoulders. The Banachat shot, another one, a rocket. Uh, the one that won the game kind of threw traffic, right? I mean, that was a seeing-eye shot. And uh, I'm missing one there, the second goal. But, you know, I, I thought Jari played fine. I, I thought that was the play for Mike Sullivan, although it was a tough spot. So I didn't have any issue with that at all. And really this series ended up going down the way I thought it would. It just took a while for it to happen where the Rangers just, I, I thought, were the better team. And it, it didn't show until they were down 3-1 when they finally were able to get the kids involved in Game 5. Almost an identical Game 6, except this time Kreider and Zibanejad got involved. And then you get to a Game 7, and it's up for grabs, home team, and and the Rangers, again, their stars came to play. Panarin eventually, who I thought had a horrible series, comes up big with the uh, – the overtime game winner, but Kreider and Zibanejad coming into their own. It took a while, but eventually I thought that was what was going to end the Pittsburgh Penguins. It just took longer than I thought because, boy, they went right down to the nub, EJ, before those guys finally woke up, and uh, it couldn't happen at a better time because they waited till the almost last second. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this was one of the stranger series I've ever watched throughout the, the entire seven games. I mean, I'm like you, I, going into the series based on what happened near the end of the regular season, not only in their games against one another, but just the way the Penguins were playing at the end of the last 
you know, month and a half, two months. I mean, they just were not the same team that I remember in January and February that were really good. And so I thought the Rangers would win the series. And, uh, and then I watched the first four games and some of game five unfold, and it was like, wow, this is the Penguins team that I remembered from early in the year, and the Rangers uh, just looked like an inexperienced lot. And the Penguins, you know, in the middle of game five, it was 2 nothing Penguins, and the Rangers really didn't get a sniff in that game. And I remember thinking to myself, like, it must be tough for the fans at the game. I mean, you get to a game excited, and, like, there's nothing going on for the, for the home team. And then Crosby gets hurt, and then kind of simultaneously the Rangers get going, and they score those three goals, and, you know, everything changed from that point. And, uh, and then even when the Rangers got behind, they got behind 2 nothing in game six on the road. Got right back in it, got the benefit of a, a power play opportunity, took advantage, got the game tied up, took the lead, lost the lead, ended up finding a way to win. And it was kind of a similar, you know, script to some degree in game seven. They got the first goal, but then they fell behind 2-1 and 3-2, and they were just able to battle the tie and find a way to win it in the end. So, um, you know, they, they the, the Penguins were, you know, everybody has injuries, and Donna, you know you've been, dealing with me on stuff like this for years, I always say the same thing about the playoffs. It's about two things, injuries and matchups. How do you match up and how healthy are you? The Rangers had some injuries that hurt them. Penguins had some significant injuries that really hurt them. The goaltending was a big problem. Uh, Crosby getting hurt is a huge problem. And then less so, I don't know if people you know realize it as much, but Brian Dumoulin being out yeah. was kind of a key to what Ryan Lindgren being out for the Rangers was because he's the guy that plays with Latang all the time. And now it kind of screws up your deep pairs and it it kind of gets into Latang has has to play with a different partner. So that that's one of those injuries that we didn't talk about a lot because a lot else was going on. But that hurt the Penguins as well. So the Rangers were in the end the Rangers were able to take advantage, give them full marks for finding ways to, to come back in games. And those kids played well, uh, you know, as they should. They're in good matchups. They know yeah. the, the Penguins are looking to focus on Zibanejad and, and Panarin and those two lines. And the kids came up with some big plays as well. So uh, full march to the Rangers for finding a way to get it done. Yeah, and they move on to take on, you know, a Carolina Hurricane team that I think took longer than most people thought to beat Boston. But much like Pittsburgh, you've got a lot of championship timber there that understands how to win in a big game, understands how to win games at home close games and and so that's why I think Pittsburgh and Boston lasted as long as they did EJ because experience does matter and having champions on your team does matter but the better team won I think in both cases it just took a little longer and it was a home ice advantage throughout that series Carolina wins game seven in a one goal game but it was a a late goal by Boston that made it uh, a one goal game in game seven but uh, I, I thought uh I think if you're the Boston Bruins, and it could be the end of an era, we'll see what happens with Bergeron, but I thought they did the best they could. I just think the better team won the series. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you really nailed it because both teams have those, like you said, I'll use your words, championship timber. And they understand what it's about. They're both really well coached. Bruce Cassidy in Boston and Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh have both done a great job. They both had a similar kind of path too they were head coaches early in their careers and uh didn't go as well went back coached in the minors had to work their way back through things and both have become excellent coaches at the highest level so uh i think both teams acquitted themselves as best they could you know the, the penguins had a little bit more of a grab of the series 
But unfortunately, once Crosby went out, it changed the dynamic for them, and they could never kind of really regain that advantage they had. And they gave the Rangers, they gave the Rangers, they opened the door. They cracked it open, and the Rangers walked through it. Do we know the status of Anderson going forward for Carolina? Well, uh, I'm going to assume that he's not going to be ready early in the series because we haven't heard that he's been ready anywhere close to ready yet. Um, I would say that Ranta has been terrific for them. Um, and, you know, it's always the same story with Andre Ranta. When he's healthy, he's very good. Problem is, he's a slight guy. He gets dinged up. So we will see how that plays out over the course of seven games. Um, and I would say this about Freddie Anderson. He's one of those guys, like many athletes, that, you know, he's not somebody that's going to be able to play when he's 90%. He needs to be 100%. That's just who he is. He's a finely tuned instrument, so to speak. And, uh, you know, whenever he's fully ready to play, he'll play or he'll have an opportunity to play. But but Ronta's done really well for him now, and Kochetkov has come in and played well, too. And, uh, you know, the Rangers have seen him uh, going back to the regular season. And he can be a – he's a good young goaltender. So – you know, the Rangers are going to have to play well. Obviously, if Anderson is in there and playing as well as he did in the season, that's a, you know, that's a benefit for the, for the Hurricanes. But they've been dealing with it, and they'll continue to deal with it. And that series will start on Wednesday. Rangers lost three of the four meetings in the one game they won. They were outshot 44-18, to so Carolina certainly has had the advantage during the regular season. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The other game seven um, I wanted to talk about with you, EJ, was the Leafs and the Lightning. And I know certainly Leafs Nation and up in Canada, they're getting beat up. Another first-round exit for Toronto. But I look at this one a little bit differently than I look at the other ones. I mean, they're going up against a two-time Stanley Cup champion. I understand Toronto blew a 3-2 series lead. I understand that they lost game seven at home. But just like Boston, just like Pittsburgh, this Tampa team knows how to win. And John Cooper's probably one of the best coaches in sports, never mind the NHL, in sports. And Vasilevsky's probably as big a goal-time goaltender that we've seen in a long time. And they've got tons of players who have been there and done that. So it's easy to beat up on the Leafs but because you can't forget about the past, especially the recent history. But in a bubble this series, Tampa just showed why they're a Stanley Cup champion. And I don't know if I can kill the Leafs for it. Am I wrong to think that? Yeah, I'm, no, I don't think so either. I thought the Leafs had a lot of opportunity to win the series. They played that well. Uh, in the end, to, to your point, Tampa Bay found ways to win. I mean, they, they lost Braden Point in Game 7, and, you know, they really had to kind of tighten things up. They blocked a ton of shots. I mean, uh, you know, I think they knew coming into this series they had a tiger by the tail, that the Leafs uh, were, ready to, were ready to take a step. and. You know, Tampa was able to find ways throughout the series to win. And, you know, the only thing I will say is that the Leafs, you know, they had opportunity in the series. They won game one. You know, they had a one nothing lead. They won game three. They had a 2-1 lead. They won game five. They had a 3-2 lead. They got into overtime in game six. And, uh, you know, those are things. Give Tampa full marks for, for finding ways to win. But, you know, for the Leafs, uh, those were opportunities lost. And now... You know, with the, with the salary cap world that we live in, 
you know, we got to see moving forward. Of the, what are the Leafs going to do? I mean, their goaltender, Jack Campbell, is an unrestricted free agent. They, they're they tight against the cap. But if they want to try to upgrade that position, it won't be easy because of money. So so Kyle Dubas is going to have some challenges there. But, I, but, you know, the team that was on the ice, you know, at the end of the season with the additions they made on defense with uh, Giordano and Labushkin, I think that set them up better on defense. Um, they added some nice players to the back end of their of their forward group. They're obviously loaded with high-end offensive players, and you got a Morgan Riley at the top of your group of defensemen is a good player. You still wonder a little bit about, you know, Campbell. He's good. Is he good enough to get you where you want to go? So, you know, these are all questions. So that's the only thing I would say is there was opportunity there. If you could have knocked off Tampa, you get into that next round. Now, you know, Florida is no easy deal that you know team to deal with and they're kind of finding their way now after having a little bit of a tough go early in that series with washington but uh, you just hate to lose those opportunities because it's back to square one and 12 months again until we get back to the first round of the playoffs and it's just uh you know it's a hard pill to swallow for sure no it certainly is and i can understand the frustration up in toronto it's just that i think you got to respect this tampa team now nine consecutive series wins They'll up go up against the Panthers. That's great. I mean, really, these, you take a look at these matchups, and we'll get to Calgary in just a second, but you're going to have the Battle of Alberta for the first time in, what, 30 years. You're going to get the two Florida teams playing against each other. You're going to get the Rangers and the Hurricanes, and there's, what, six former Rangers on the Hurricanes. They can actually have a starting lineup of all former Rangers if they wanted to move Brendan Smith up to forward, right? So you've got that storyline. Uh, it's it, it's pretty epic what's happening here with the National Hockey League second round, and I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I, I think it's a real toss-up between a, a handful of teams who might end up winning this whole thing. Yeah, and you didn't even mention Colorado, who's the you know is the favorite, and St. Louis, who was who finished the season just hot as a pistol, and then went sure. down down uh, two games to one to Minnesota, made a goalie change, and turned around and won the next three games. So that's going to be a hell of a series. So yeah, this is. I mean, there's eight teams in the, you know, in this group, really. I mean, I, I think you could probably make a case for all of them to go all the way and win the cup. I mean, it, you know, we're at that stage of things now. So there are teams and matchups that I like one more than another. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be highly competitive. And uh, boy, oh boy, what a great opportunity for these eight franchises. Because, yeah. Uh, you can if you can play well right now and stay relatively healthy and. I mean, you got a great opportunity. I, you know, Colorado to me is still the favorite, but you know they're going to have their hands full with the Blues. There's no question about that. So I, I think the door is open for everybody. No, it really is. And just to finish up the game sevens, Flames beat the Stars last night three to two. But don't blame Jake Ottinger. 64 saves in this one, and, and most of them came in regulation. I mean, it was just amazing the amount of shots and shot attempts. We're talking in the the mid, uh, you know, hundred and. 30, 140 shot attempts in this one. Calgary was clearly the better team, but Jake Ottinger did everything that he could, and you really felt bad for him because that's the one guy you could not fault. He did everything he could to try to keep the Stars alive and the Flames move on. Yeah, Jake Ottinger, that was one of the great goaltending performances, really from from game one all the way through. He was lights out good in uh, in all the games. I mean, he lost game one, one nothing, right? So, I mean, uh, he was terrific. He gave the Dallas Stars life. The Stars have some competitive guys. I mean, I would say the same thing about them as we said about Pittsburgh and Boston. I mean, they got some competitive players in that roster. I mean, when you think of Joe Pavelski and Jamie Benn and, and some of the older veterans they have there and some of those young kids that are coming. I mean, Haskinen's a great, great player. 
Ottinger looks like he's going to be a big-time goalie. He's a first-round draft pick, and, you know, he's coming into his own, it looks like. Jason Robertson is a terrific young player. So, you know, for the Dallas Stars, uh, you know, I'll say this, Donnie. I've seen guys, and so have you, we've seen goalies steal playoff series. And I, I, I think back to Curtis Joseph with the Oilers against the Dallas Stars in the, in the I think it was 97. And the Dallas Stars outplayed the Oilers for six of the seven games by a wide margin, and the Oilers won the series in Game 7 overtime. And that was just all Curtis Joseph. He was just brilliant in that series. And the Calgary Flames could have easily lost that series. And so give give a lot of credit to, to Daryl Sutter and his team for staying the course, to the goaltender Jake Markstrom for not – I mean, Jake Barkstrom had no room for error last night. In overtime, the Dallas Stars had some chances. They hit a couple of posts. Yeah. Uh, but he made some good saves when he had to, and it's tough when you're the guy at the other end of the ice standing there watching, you know, a virtuoso uh, goaltending performance by a by a, a, a peer. So um, give the Flames a lot of credit, and, uh, you know, I think that they'll – they will not have as much trouble scoring in the next rounds as they did in the last rounds. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Battle of Alberta, the Oilers, they hold on and they beat the Kings. They had their Game 7 of their own, and that was a wild series. But isn't it crazy, EJ, because you saw this in Edmonton um, in that series. You saw it in some other series as well where – Goals are plenty, and then you get to a game seven, and there's just hardly any room. There's hardly any offense. It's just crazy. I guess it's difficult to sustain that over an entire series, but you get to this winner take all game, and this game, they just saw a lot of offense just come down to basically, you know, a one goal game before the empty netter. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Jonathan Quick was terrific in that yeah. game. That gets overlooked because we've had five games, and then Iden Jottinger was just off the wall last night. I mean, that was off the hook what he did. It was as good a performance as I've ever seen. But Jay, but uh, Jonathan Quick was brilliant on Saturday night, and if it wasn't for Connor McDavid just being Connor McDavid, I mean, you know, he set up the, he set up the first goal with a great play behind the net, hits the brakes at full speed comes back and lays it perfectly into Cody Cece, who makes a good shot. And then the second goal, I mean, it was kind of crazy. Fights off a guy, draws a penalty, keeps playing behind the net, comes out in front, and then is able to bury a backhand. I mean, it's just he was he was magnificent. I mean, I think the great players in this first round have, really have lived up to their billing for the most part. I mean, uh, you know, McKinnon and McCarr in Colorado, and McDavid was brilliant for the Oilers, and Johnny Gaudreau, I mean, last night he could have scored yeah. about seven goals. He had all kinds of chances, and, you know, he was tremendous. He's had an unbelievable year. I kind of feel that he didn't get nominated for the Hart or the or the Ted Lindsay Award, but you know what? Maybe at the end of the day he's carrying the Stanley Cup. I think he probably will overlook those other yes. things. But uh, he was brilliant this year, and he was brilliant in the playoffs. So we had a lot of great performances in the first round by great players, and we can only hope it continues. All right, so a couple of news items here to start the week. Uh, I guess let's start out on the island. A lot of people were surprised. I was in Pittsburgh at the time of the announcement that Barry Trotz was out with the Islanders. But Lane Lambert, an assistant over the last four years, gets bumped up to be the head coach. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a little odd. I mean, I guess I should never say anything's odd that Lou Labarillo does because he, he does things for his reasons and, you know, He's had a lot of success over the years. I mean, he's had some that haven't worked out, but he's also had a lot of success. He's a three-time Stanley Cup winner. He's a Hall of Famer, and uh, 
you know, I, I get the sense, you know, you talk to a lot of people, so, you know, and, and Lou doesn't tell you anything, and, and most of the people don't tell you anything, so you just hear things, you don't know how true they are, and, but I can, I can understand this a little bit, that, you know, Barry Trotz has been around a long time in hockey and coaching, and he's won a cup, and, you know, Lou can be a hard guy to deal with on a day-to-day-to-day basis, and maybe there was a little, you know, butting of heads there, you know, not that it's, uh, you know, guys who you know, are going to be enemies or anything in life, I think sometimes it just, you know, he could be a hard guy to work for. And, you know, Barry had a lot of things happen this year. He's gone through, you know, like all of us, he's gone through the COVID situation. He lost his mom this year. And, uh, you know, that uh, impacts anybody. Um, and so at the end of the day, um, you know, I think it just was, the only thing I can say is that maybe it was just, you know, it was time for those two to part. And, and it makes sense when I think about the hiring of Lane Lambert because, you know, that tells me that Lou liked the program. You know, he likes the program of what was going on, but, you know, he wanted a different voice. And even though, you know, you know Lane has been with Barry for many years, so it's not like Lane is sitting there and he's going to have some unbelievably different coaching philosophy. I mean, I think his philosophy is probably going to be similar to Barry's. It wouldn't make sense that two men worked together for, you know, more than a decade if they had different philosophical thoughts on hockey. So I think Lou likes the program, and he wanted to stay with the program. He gives Lane Lambert an opportunity to, to be an NHL coach for the first time. I'm really happy for Lane to get that opportunity. Um, we'll see how things play out. I mean, because sometimes assistants can can roll over and be the head coach, and, and they do well. But a lot of times it's a, it's a different job, and it, it calls for different things, and, you know, we'll just see uh, how it works out. But I am very happy for Lane to get the opportunity because he's really earned it. And how about Pete DeBoer being out in Vegas? Disappointed for Pete. Uh, got to know him, obviously, over the years. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's human beings. It's hard to separate, right, sometimes. We, you know, we're paid to, be, to give our opinion on things, and um, it's a tough business. And, you know, I think Pete is been a very good coach in the league he's taken uh, three different teams or at least i guess two different teams to the cup final right the devils and uh the san jose sharks came up on the wrong end both times uh boston i would say better teams both times i wouldn't say that was an upset to think that la beat the devils the way they were playing that year nor would i say it was a surprise that the penguins beat the sharks the way that they were playing in that particular season so I think at the end of the day for the Vegas Golden Knights, they probably looked at it and they probably, because the way they do things here, they probably looked at it and said, okay, we can bring back Pete and bring him back and if things don't go well in the first 30 games, we can make a change. But then they might have recalculated and said, you know what, if we do that and it doesn't work out, now we're behind the eight ball again. So if we're not convinced that Pete's the guy for us at this point, maybe it's best just to make the move now and give somebody a full camp, and there's a lot of different guys available, including someone like Barry Trotz. So we'll see what Vegas decides to do next. Uh, I'm never surprised at what what comes out of uh, you know the Vegas Golden Knights. They're in it to win it yesterday, right? And yeah. they make, they're not scared to do things. And uh, we'll see if Peter. I, I would hope he would get another opportunity. He's gotten so close to that to that Holy Grail, and it would be nice to see him get another opportunity at it. But uh, you know, it's. Uh, 
you know, it's a tough business. That's about all I can say, and we'll see what Vegas does next. All right, EJ, look forward to what should be a fun second round, and we will talk to you uh, next Monday as we get deeper into these playoffs and see who's left and who's hot, who's not. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, Well, well, like I said, I think I've said it to you before, the one thing that I know is that I don't know. That's right. So we'll see what happens, right? We'll see what happens next, but I know the fans, the Ranger fans, have got to be thrilled to have an opportunity for a, a second round series, so it should be a lot of fun. All right, DJ. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right, you got it. All right, that is the great, and I mean the great EJ Raddick breaking it all down. So we've got our second round all set. It begins tomorrow with Tampa at Florida, and then the Avalanche playing host to the Blues, and then Wednesday, Rangers at the Hurricanes, followed by the Flames and the Oilers. TNT will have Tuesday. ESPN will have Wednesday, and we'll dive right in. As far as my predictions are concerned, I threw this out TESPN, so you probably going to see it on their website at some time later on today, but you listen to Game Misconduct, you'll get it here first. I think the Panthers will survive the Lightning. I think once they got by that first round, I think everything kind of settles in. I'm still concerned about the amount of goals that they give up, They, but they're still a great come-from-behind team, best in the National Hockey League, sometimes coming back from multiple goals, and you just wonder, will... Tampa be able to survive another long series. Remember, this is this is a team that's won back-to-back Stanley Cups under very unusual circumstances: the pandemic, the four-month off, the, the 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 bubble, and then everything that we went through last year. It's been it's been a long ride for this Tampa team, and I thought the Leafs were going to beat them, and almost did. And now you got a Panther team that I think finally got over that whole not being able to get out of the first round since 1996. Their goaltending, Bobrovsky, got better as the series went on. They've just got too much firepower. And I've said it along the lines of the first round. It didn't happen. But Tampa's going to miss the Gords and the Gaudreaux and the Colemans. Those are the guys that make things happen. We'll see what the condition is of point to start this series. Uh, Tampa's going to be tough to get rid of, but I'm going to pick the Panthers to win this in six. Colorado hardly tested. They won four straight against Nashville. One of the games did have to go to overtime. Blues experience. We talk about Boston and Pittsburgh having that championship timber. St. Louis certainly has that. As EJ said, they were hot down the stretch. But this Colorado team, I think, is the best of the bunch. It was proven in the regular season, proven in the first round. Now, St. Louis is not going to go quietly into that good night. So I think the Avalanche will lose a couple of games. But I've got Colorado winning in six uh, in that one. Um, when you take a look, or actually, I, I said it in five. Excuse me, it'll be in five. So I, I think that um, Colorado will give up a game, but they'll win this in five. Rangers and the Hurricanes, it's interesting because you want you don't want to get too caught up in the regular season, but it was so one-sided with Carolina winning three of the four matchups. And, and, I, and I keep mentioning it because I got a chance to call this game in Raleigh was a 2-0 Ranger victory in which the Rangers were outshot 44-18. to Kreider got the empty netter to put it away. And Carolina just seems to have the Rangers number, and can that all change? Now, Shesterkin is the great equalizer, right? Because Shesterkin, I think, is better than Antirata. I think it was shown here in these last three games of the series how Shesterkin was able to bounce back and gain a ton of experience. But you just wonder, especially, you know, somewhat short turnaround, playing game seven on Sunday. They do get a couple of days off, but they will have to travel to Carolina is that going to be too much for Shesterkin? At what point will it begin to kind of pile up against a team that's really, really going to bring it? And all the former Rangers, this is going to be such a fun, fun series, But and I think the Rangers just have too much respect for them to think they'll bow out easily. 
Uh, I think Carolina's just been the better team. I think that was proven all year. I think they will win that series in six, although Shesterkin's certainly an X-factor. Memo to the Rangers, though, for Panarin, Shesterkin, Panarin, Zabanajad, Kreider. Um, Got to bring it every night, you know, because you can't rely on the kids who did well. Um, Lafreniere and Kako, Heedle, I thought, had a great series, although he did not have a ton of points. I thought Fox got better as the series went on. I thought Miller was tremendous. Uh, but the big guns have to be the big guns to beat Carolina. So I got uh, the Hurricanes winning that in six. And, and Oilers, Flames, man, boy, that just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, right? Battle of Alberta. But really what it comes down to is the goaltending. I think Markstrom has been consistent all year where Smith runs in streaks. And I thought he was great in the King series. But this Flame team is better than the Los Angeles Kings. They could bring a lot of firepower, and the Oilers aren't going to be able to clamp it down the way Dallas did. So I think the Flames will have a little bit more room to run, wide open series, really relying on the goaltending. But uh, this is a classic series, a lot of fun, and maybe it's just me kind of hoping, but I think the Flames will win this in seven. But I think the Flames are just the better team. So we've really got four tremendous series here. Should be a lot of fun. And EJ makes a great point. You know, obviously you're not going to give everybody equal chance. But you know, when you look at these eight teams that are left, you can if you if you really had to debate, if you were in debate class, give me a reason why one of these eight teams can win the cup. You can really do that. I mean, you've got all four division winners are still in there. So when you look at what those four teams accomplished having to win their division, you know that they've got the ability to make a run. So those are the four teams. Wildcard teams are all gone now, right? So, you know, Edmonton was in the top three. Tampa was in the top three. Tampa won, you know, three, two straight Stanley Cups going into this. St. Louis won, not, you know, fairly recently in 2019. Colorado's been knocking on the door for a long time. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is so wide open. So any of these eight teams can win the cup, but four of them are going to bow out in the second round, and that's a fact. So we're going to be following it. I'll be back with you on Wednesday. We'll really load up on the tweets then. We already have a game under our belt in two of the series when we get to Wednesday, but wanted to get EJ, get his thoughts on what was happening with Lambert and with DeBoer and, of course, all the game sevens that we had over the weekend. Just a tremendous amount of fun. The hockey has been terrific. Looking forward to talking more with you on Wednesday. Want to get in touch with me? You know the best way to do that is at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.